0: In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Wood Talk, for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now, here are three guys who are actually under the illusion that
3: woodworking is cool. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. Alright, it's Wood Talk number 267 for August 14th, 2015. It's a weekend edition of Wood Talk and on today's uh, show, that's what it is, right? It's called a show. We're talking about our veneer experiences. So this is not necessarily like a how-to on veneering. We're just going to compare notes. Someone asked us a question about veneering and it was a specific question and we said, you know what? We're not going to answer that question. We're just going to use that as inspiration for something else. So uh, here we are just (laughs) doing a little roundtable discussion about our personal experiences in the world veneering. So let's start by sort of defining what veneering is. Uh, In layman's terms, basically, you take a very thin piece of wood and you glue it to a substrate so that the substrate is typically an inexpensive material and a stable material and by putting a thin sheet of veneer on there you can get a lot more use out of that stock. You can have like a prized precious piece of wood that's cut into thin sheets so you get more out of it instead of having a thick board with all this beautiful wood grain that's hidden under the surface. Uh, so you put this little thin skin on top of a substrate and it's a great way to to, to spread the love a little bit with, with high quality wood but also get a nice stable Stable, uh, a stable structure that isn't going to expand and contract the way that solid wood will. Uh, so uh, I'm sure we've all done a little bit of veneering here and there to some extent. The three of us. Um, so uh, let's let's start with Matt. What kind of veneering have you done, and what were what were your sort of impressions of the process?
2: Well, uh, I have done a, a little bit of taking some what you kind of described there, like especially taking a really beautiful thin veneer and putting it on a substrate, and then having people go, "Wow, that must have been expensive." Yes. Yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it yeah don't was. touch it. Um, and then I have used some shop-made veneers, which were just a little bit thicker, uh, which turned out equally well. So far with both of them, my experience has been been really decent, although I love the idea of the thicker veneers, simply because then if I need to make any little touch-ups to the surface, my chances of blowing through them is far less that it's going to actually happen. Yeah. Um, so far, it's it's v- – Smaller projects that I've actually been doing it with. And I even did like a skateboard with a, a bunch of thin veneers uh, a while ago, and that worked out really good. So at this point, as of this recording, my experience with veneers is really awesome.
3: <laughs> so, I mean, now, now you've used both uh, commercial and home sawn. And the mm-hmm. deal with the commercial stuff is like, what is it, like a 42nd of an inch in thickness on average? Yeah. You know, it's nearly paper thin, which means it also breaks very easily. It's fragile. Oh Lord, yes. uh, yeah. So, until it's secured to a substrate, you got to be very careful and you have a lot of specialized techniques. Uh, you tend to be a little bit more forgiving when you're using shop sawn veneer because now you're down at an eighth of an inch, 332 seconds of an inch, maybe a little thinner than that. Uh, and the stuff is more durable when it's on the surface after it's glued together. You've got a surface that kind of feels, acts, and sort of just gives the impression, I, I think at least, a little bit of a better impression of being solid wood as opposed to something that tells you immediately that that has a plywood core or an MDF core underneath um, yeah. so so but the, but you need specialized equipment to make it right so you, you what was your process for making the home saw and veneer
2: uh, well mine was just my bandsaw and a very depending on how wide the board that I was working with how wide it was a a, a very solid fence and then a very sharp uh resaw blade. And mm-hmm. the it's funny how that really super sharp resaw blade is amazing at first, but then after you've made multiple passes, you can feel it start getting dull and you're like, oh boy, this is not gonna be as <laughs> much fun as I thought it was. Yeah. Uh so that's where really, my bandsaw has been my veneer maker. And so far it's worked out fantastic.
3: Nice. Now Shannon, what about you? What kind of experience have you had?
1: Um I've got most of my experience would be home sawn, chop sawn veneers. <clears throat> and uh the little bit of commercial veneer, ironically, I've got quite a bit of commercial veneer, like right now, but it's all in small pieces, specifically kind of earmarked for marquetry. Oh. okay. Um, but I've done some, uh, kind of like what Matt was saying with um, the skateboard, I've done some bent lamb with uh, um, commercial veneers. In fact, I did a, a little like uh, wavy clock project, uh, I don't know, years and years ago, but I just redid it. Uh, from a hand tool perspective. And that was a lot of fun. Um, They were, yes, they were thin, but they weren't, you know, I wasn't using them in a way that I, you know, was putting over a substrate. Uh, They were lumped together in a bent lamination. So there wasn't really a whole lot of concern about blowing through them or anything like that. Um, I've used paperback commercial veneer, which was, I don't know if the veneer was thick or it was the paper that, behind it that made it that much thicker but uh, veneered onto plywood substrate for um, like a a captured panel serving tray Mm -hmm. uh, where I didn't want any movement whatsoever and that was that was easy in fact uh, you know just the contact cement and the little uh, pressure roller thing and it was good to go that was a really fun most of what I've done has been like Matt said using a bandsaw to saw it like eighth inch Tight veneer and then surface it down and you get somewhere somewhere skinny skinnier than an eighth of an inch right um, and then recently I've been using my frame saw uh, and a couple times I've cut like through dovetail drawers but then put a veneer over over top of it so it looks like a half blind except for the like species difference <laughs> um, but you know it's basically <laughs> a half-blind dovetail because you've adhered something to the front of it mm-hmm. and that was a really cool way for me to stretch some really cool figured mahogany over the entire face of a chest of drawers. Um, I did that in my with my tool cabinet. Um, that's a lot of fun. Um, I've actually got quite a bit of veneering coming up. I've got a side table that I'll be building that I'm using um, bird's eye for it. And that will be home sawn. But then I'm also building a wall mirror, uh, a Chippendale style mirror. And that's going to be a uh, commercial walnut crotch veneer. And that stuff is so- Super thin, so I'm a little, uh, a <laughs> little scared. On
3: that well, see, one. that's the thing I love about veneer. You know, it's not. It, it's definitely a whole rabbit hole of woodworking that you can get into, oh, yes. like like turning, like scroll sawing, all those little things. Uh, but when you start to look at the variety of figured material that's available in veneer, it's mind blowing. Like if you oh, yeah. if you think you've seen some impressive boards. Wait till you see what veneer looks like. Like all the good stuff is going to veneer. So that's the problem. Like if if we prefer homesawn, and I know I do, I'd much rather work with homesawn material, I'm very limited in what I've actually got that's impressive in the way of figure. Uh, If I really want the mind-blowingly beautiful stuff that looks like it's just on fire and glowing, I've got to buy a roll of veneer from an online vendor. uh, Or buy the log. Right, exactly. <laughs> yes. there
1: you, that, that's yeah. where it's being decided, basically. You can tell that it's going to be figured in log form, so it's being sold to the veneer peelers. So if you want it, you have to buy the whole log. You <laughs> have to go seek yeah. it out. That's probably not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, that was the
2: one thing that just completely blew my mind when I was first looking at these and hearing about the fact that, yeah, those woods never, ever really make it to uh, something that you could purchase and throw up on your lumber, r- lumber rack and ignore for years because you don't think you could create a beautiful enough project with it. Yeah. The fact that those ones just automatically go to the veneer. i'm just like oh i guess i have to experiment with this veneer thing
3: well and you know it's probably for the best because now more people can use it it's distributing a a, you know a fairly finite resource to at least to some extent uh you know and making sure more people can get their hands on it but you've got a whole host of techniques and tools now that you have to be familiar with so since you both have done some uh, technique wise, it really it really comes down to how you're going to press it and what type of adhesive you're going to use for that. So, um, okay. I've used vacuum presses in the past. I love them. It's a very cool way to do it, but you have to take precautions and you got to make sure everything is set up because if you press it wrong and you don't get the pressure on there right, you could end up with bubbles. You could have your veneer. Bending over the edges if it's not like distributed, the weight isn't distributed properly. Uh, But vacuum veneering has been, you know, one of the coolest ways I've done veneering projects. But I've done it as simple as uh, calls and clamps on smaller pieces. Um, So you don't need a really uh, high tech setup to get it done.
2: Right. And that's exactly my two experiences also is with the uh, small vacuum bag. Nothing like I, I think I've seen yours before. In fact, I remember years ago you were creating one mm-hmm. uh, using as a Joe Woodworker. I think yep. they sold a kit and you were, you were putting together one with that. I've used the uh, Roar Rocket. Uh, system, which is kind of a smaller one with just a uh, wine vacuum pump to uh, kind of pull all the air out. Worked really good unless, of course, and this is probably the same thing with those bag ones with any of the vacuum systems, is if there is uh, any little bit of a leak, you have to be really diligent about coming in there and making sure that uh, you can maintain that pressure because that is that is mind boggling when you're suddenly like running around going, "Okay, I need to maintain pressure. People are like, look like you're under a lot of pressure right now. (laughs) Yeah, that is a little bit rough. Um, what my, kind of- my only vacuum press
1: experience was when I worked in a frame shop mm-hmm. uh, back in college, and that was generally what... It, we had this bed, this like plastic-lined bed that was really easy to clean up, so we used to take like milkshakes and throw them in there and turn on the press <laughs> just to see what would happen. There you go. That's
3: <laughs> yeah. an idea. That sounds yeah, like fun. fun. Uh, Adhesive-wise, what, what did you use, Matt?
2: Uh, so far, I've only used just regular uh, PVA glue, just regular uh, yellow glue. I've... Thought about getting a little bit further into using some of the resins and and whatever else those nasty, stinky things are, Uh, but really I have limited myself to just using PVA and – hopefully I'm not going to have an unpleasant surprise with some of these projects, but it has actually worked in my favor. They make a lot of um,
3: I don't know if it's specifically PVA, but definitely water-based, much more of a familiar um, makeup that we're used to for wood glues that are specifically formulated for laminations and for veneering nowadays. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I actually purchased a couple bottles, so I'll be using it pretty soon. And it's supposed to work just as well and it's got a more rigid glue line. It's less likely to creep and cause some of those problems that you get with uh, traditional stuff and I'll give you an example actually David Marks built a Demilune table on woodworks years ago and I remember the story that he told me that was one of the few projects he didn't use like a formaldehyde based glue on he just used PVA thinking it's a fairly small you know half moon shaped uh, uh, table so it's, it shouldn't be that bad the problem was he left it in his living room under a um. there there was like what do you call it when you got a hole in your ceiling and you put a window in it uh, skylight? Skylight. <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> Anger? I'm telling you, words. It's late in the day. Gunshot? Words are tough for me. Um, so yeah, there's the skylight and I guess between the UV, a little bit of additional heat, and a few years, the seams between his pieces of veneer opened up. And I guess what happened was the glue just kind of kept shrinking a little bit and pulling in and pulling in until it finally says, I give up. And that seam just opened right up. Uh, so wow. he said, well, you know, I'm probably not going to be using PVA glues for this stuff anymore. So that's really what well, you're looking to avoid. And you
1: see, you'll see that same thing in museums mm-hmm. where um, – because veneer – I mean veneer is old. The Egyptians used veneer. But you go and I, – I saw this down at uh, Colony Williamsburg last time I was there. And you'll see like the veneer is split and kind of puckered and rippled a little bit over the years. Um, it's just kind of the way things are, um, because they were using hide glues and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I think it's a fact of life until some of these modern adhesives came around.
3: Sure. Uh, Now, speaking of hide glue, there is another type of veneering out there called hammer veneering. I've, Uh, I've never tried it. Uh, but we've got a a link here that you'll be able to see a YouTube video showing the process. You're basically putting hide glue on the substrate, hide glue on the veneer, uh, using that to help flatten the veneer and then you place the veneer back on with a little more hide glue and heat and then you use a very heavy hammer to sort of squeegee squeegee (laughs) squeegee (laughs) it onto the surface uh, to some extent and that the heat reactivates the hide glue and it pulls it down and you kind of just are pressing it into the surface Uh, that's something I haven't had an opportunity it's my understanding
1: that the reason it's called hammer veneering is not because you've got the squeegee kind of looks like a hammer but once you've squeegeed it out you use your your veneer hammer to tap on the wood Mm -hmm. and you can hear if you've got a solid bond okay you know if you get a little rattle you can hear the pitch if it's not quite right i've seen um ed wright the harpsichord maker in williamsburg demonstrate this and it's a very distinct sound yeah when it's um so you'll hear him walking along the the long the the soundboard not the soundboard he's not veneering the soundboard but the top of the harpsichord and tapping it and he's not hammering it in place he's listening to did mm-hmm. i squeegee it well enough the, yeah the tone changes uh, you know, there was see, a, a technique I saw in a magazine
3: one time, very similar, but using PVA glue. Um, I don't know, a lot of people don't necessarily know this, but sometimes these PVA glues, when exposed to heat, will reactivate for a very short period of time. Now, I don't know what the long-term viability of this is, but I did see it in a magazine. It was in print, so it must be true. So if you uh, put regular PVA glue, kind of like the hammer veneering method, you put some on the substrate, you put some on the veneer, let it dry, and then put the veneer on top, get a nice hot iron, and I guess probably not too hot, but just warm enough to reactivate that glue just long enough for the two glue layers to fuse, and then it cools immediately, and it's attached to the surface.
2: I think I have heard of this one before, too, and I I have not felt comfortable enough doing it. In fact, this whole idea of doing the hammer... Uh, Veneering. I thought you used the hammer on yourself because you, like me, (laughs) that whole process looks like somebody who really hates themselves and just wants to cause more stress in their life.
3: Yeah, beat yourself in the head because it's not going well.
2: Exactly. (laughs) It's like, do I miss that spot? Just start beating it and hoping nobody notices and then go, oh, well, somebody must have came into my shop and beat me. And that's why this (laughs) turned out this way. There you go. Yeah, something like that.
3: Alright well you know veneering it's a big topic maybe we'll talk about it a little bit more we can get into some details here there's just so much information out there on it and it's a whole new area of woodworking that you could spend just years trying to master try the different techniques and incorporating it into your work but I think it's worthwhile it's a a nice tool to have in your back pocket when you're designing furniture because sometimes you get into those binds and there's no plywood on the market you need a stable thing a stable something a panel or whatever and there's only so many species and varieties available to you so the only option if you want that stability is to make your own using a plywood or MDF or some kind of uh, you know st- uh, substrate that will be stable and then you put the, the wood species of choice on top of it so if you don't know how to do that you're kind of limited in what you can do with your designs.
2: Yep. I always think about the individuals that go on and on about how much they just want to have these super exotic woods. And why can't we ever use something like that? Well, you can. It's just you have to use really thin versions of it <laughs> right?
1: You have to make really thin tables. Yeah. right? Exactly.
2: <laughs> All right, Matt. Well, how about you give them the contact info? We'll get out of here. All right. Hey, folks, do you have a comment, a question, a topic suggestion? There's several different ways to contact us. Leave us a voicemail on Skype. Our username is Wood Talk Online. Call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180. Email us at kickback at woodtalkshow.com or leave us a comment on our Wood Talk Facebook page. And if you're looking for the show notes or downloads from today's shows or previous episodes, you're going to find those over at woodtalkshow.com.
3: Awesome. All right. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time. See Sweet. ya.
2: See ya.